0: Hi, this is Tom Compton of We Hold These Truths. You're listening to the Unheralded News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths at whtt.org on the web. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly.
1: In today's podcast for Pharisee Watch and Unheralded News, we're going to do part two of our program from September 3rd, and that was entitled Obama or Romney, the Banker's Fraternity's Choice for Serial Warrior. In that broadcast, it was made just prior to Ben Bernanke of the Federal Reserve coming out and announcing QE3, Quantitative Easing Part 3, Odd Infinitum. And so I'm going to have Leslie read this report and we're going to talk about it.
2: Leslie? The meaning of QE3, posted by Charles E. Carlson, September 28, 2012. Obama or Romney? The Banker Fraternity's Choice for Serial Warrior. We wrote on September 3, 2012, one week before Bernanke announced his QE3, the banker fraternity wants another quantitative easing, meaning electronic printing of dollars, maybe even a $1,000 new dollars, which would enter our economy not at the food stamp or public works level, but at the banker's level. We choose not to predict who the Fed would choose for our president, but we stated that the act would give us a clear picture of which candidate the bankers want or do not want. You should read the entire story. It is not obsolete. We wrote, On September 11th, or soon thereafter, Ben Bernanke will announce when and how much, New stimulus will be injected into the economy like crystals of meth under the tongue. If the amount is huge and the date is imminent, such as we started yesterday, this will signal the fix is on for Obama to return to the White House. A positive stock market is the president's hope for re-election, his see-we-have-done-it moment. And that is not exactly what happened. In spite of sluggish economic news, the stock market is near record high ground, just in time for the election, and Mr. Obama is gaining at the polls. We should not be construed to mean Romney is not also a good fit for the banker's president, but the bankers are clearly satisfied with President Obama. Therefore, we consumers cannot trust him. That should be all we need to know to cast our vote for none of the above. Most of us do not have an inkling of how QE3 is supposed to shore up the economy, except that we have heard it is to encourage real estate loans and the Fed will spend $40 billion per month. No one asks where Mr. Bernanke will get all this money. The Fed will print $40 billion a month, maybe for years, to buy up millions of bad mortgages that bankers have left from the last real estate boom and bust. It took only two weeks after Bernanke's speech for a Bloomberg News reporter to figure out what we had said in advance. The prime beneficiaries of QE3 are not consumers longing for homes of their own, but the bankers who are stuck with bad mortgages. Bloomberg's story puts it this way. Fed helps lenders profit more than home buyers And... The Fed is targeting the, the Fed is targeting the 5.2 trillion dollar market for mortgage bonds guaranteed by government-backed Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginnie Mae, which helps determine the rates that lenders can offer. Lenders bundle about 90% of new loans into the securities to sell to investors, giving them funds to make more. The Fed is to be a super investor in this big pool. The Bloomberg story does a decent job of explaining the essence of the deal, which simply gives banks a chance to pawn off their old, dead, and dying mortgages onto the willing pocket of the Fed, which does not really care if it is bad paper because it prints the money to buy them. I also want you to know this scam could be fixed in a heartbeat to funnel most benefit to home buyers with just six words from the Fed. We will buy only new paper. If Bernanke announced this simple policy, the banks would hurry to make new loans to anyone who would sign, and it would in indeed trigger a real estate boom that would boost the building and real estate business and lots of related businesses. For sale signs would soon come down in your neighborhood. The bankers would still make their origination fees, but this would not be nearly so juicy as the scheme that allows them to unload old bad paper for newly printed dollars. We must never forget, the Fed is not owned by the taxpayers, but by the biggest and most powerful banks, so the bank's interest always comes first. The Fed could do the same thing at will with commercial loans to small businesses, if they wanted to. Should monetary decisions be made this way? Of course not. This can only lead to more chaos in a year or two. We all know instinctively that someone has to pay for every bad loan and every crafty, self-serving decision made at Bernanke's level. It is we, the consumer, not necessarily the taxpayer, who pays in higher prices for everything we buy with our depleted and debased dollars. The Fed can never go broke because it can print an endless supply of dollars for any scheme. We have limited supply of dollars and will eventually be unable to pay for the inflated food and basic needs. If we could ignore the short-sighted benefits of this crystals of meth under the tongue, and if we had power to do something, what should be our course? We should support the audit law. Ron Paul finally got passed through the House, the Federal Reserve Transparency Act, Harry Reid, the Senate Majority Leader and Nevada Democrat, has vowed the Federal Reserve Transparency Act will not be put to a vote in the Senate. We should insist the Fed be physically occupied and nationalized, not just audited. It is a private business, which is another way of saying eliminate the Fed. We will never be free of war and inflation until this is done. Most important, we should explain to our children and friends that we have learned about the Fed and other control factions. Politics and faith are not proper and polite subjects of conversations in the 21st century, where our standards are increasingly guided by the media, bankers, and politicians. We need to set our own social standards of what issues are important and tell those most dear to us the painful truths we have learned. Our children will not thank us for keeping them ignorant.
1: Thank you, and thank you, Chuck. Another well-said article. At this time of the election, we seem to be hung up on trivialities. The banking issue... Doesn't even seem to be a, of any interest to either of the two parties, the Republicans or Democrats.
3: Tom, nor does the war issue. There's not a
1: I, and that too, there's yes. Not a
3: word said about the war, the war issue, the war question. And yet we have uh, Iran telling us that they are being boycotted all over the world and being forced into uh, untenable situa- situations where they have, where their people are actually being put to hunger over. over the boycotts and embargoes that are being placed on them. And these do nothing but increase the price of oil, which, of course, uh, comes right back on us consumers. Yes. So while we don't even talk about war, we're conducting an economic war against Iran at the very time that uh, war is is never mentioned. And in our previous story that we wrote about, we tried to cast some light on what's going to be happening with the debates the first one which is tomorrow, on Wednesday. And what we said is, uh, really, we don't know who will win the debate, but the actions of the Federal Reserve and Mr. Bernanke clearly indicate that they are very satisfied with Obama, Mr. Obama, because what they have done by the timing of their money-printing binge is they've made it possible for the stock market to go up About uh, three days out of four in the last month, about three days out of every four, the stock market has gone higher. And, of course, now you're getting the impact of this business of buying up mortgages, which is going to stimulate, of course, the making of new mortgages to some extent. So all of this, uh, of course, works very much in favor of Obama. We explained in our previous paper, had the Federal Reserve not been satisfied with Obama. It would have been very simple for them to say something like, we feel that it's inappropriate for us to put more money into this system right now because the Congress and the President haven't done everything they could do. This would have probably resulted in the stock market going down three out of every four days for the last month, and it would have no doubt cast a pall over the election and given candidate Romney a tremendous a platform to, to talk about but of course the actions of the Federal Reserve have clearly indicated that they're satisfied with Mr. Obama and that uh, Obama is not somebody who's alien to the bankers interests.
1: well don't you think Chuck I, that they must realize certainly we've been studying this for years and see that there really is no difference between the Republicans and Democrats. So these banking interests, the insider bankers, the war makers, as we call them, can control wh- whoever's in, in power. It doesn't seem to make one difference one way or the other. Yeah, there might be some minor differences and so forth, but the bottom line still is they control the system was rigged by the implementation of the Federal Reserve in 1913, a private banking institution that's supposed to be in charge of a government's, that is in charge of a government's money.
3: Right, a cartel. So
1: there's so much influence. We see that in these, for example, the Senate has uh, had these hearings with bankers like Jamie Dimon of of Goldman Sachs anyway, uh, they treat them with kid gloves because they're the beneficiary of donations from these big bankers. There was a little more opposition in the House, but there's the control right there. They have the mechanism to control these people, so they basically have the the, the House and the Senate uh, under their control or heavily influenced and with the same thing in, in the White House. So either party is really not addressing these are non-issues. The only candidate that brought this up, of course, was Ron Paul, and he was ignored for the most part by the media or scoffed at, and so it, it became a non-issue. And so people, it seems, can accept these quantitative easings as some kind of beneficiary to, for everybody. But you hit the nail on the head when you say the banks are going to be the, the beneficiaries of these actions.
3: Now, there's something interesting about this election that, that we could point out. Uh, never has there been a, an election in, in current times when Christian elements had less to choose from. Obama, of course, is pretty much a, I guess he, he, would, be, he would be pretty much classified as a secularist he had a pastor and a uh, supposedly a spiritual leader but he got rid of him quickly before he was elected and has never brought up the subject of re- religion yet i don't know if, if if he ever talks about it or not he simply does not engage in that and of course from a christian perspective he's taken the pro really the pro abortion posture he's opposed all right to life issues so there's really not much that the Christian churches could say positively about uh, Obama. And then we come to Mr. Ron Romney, and of course he is a Mormon, which is considered to be a sect or, or a cult by at least 80% of the Christian churches. So uh, there's not too much that the Christian right can really say about uh, Mr. Romney. And well, they can
1: say he's uh he can they can say he's pro-life. I mean, the Mormons typically are pro-life, they have large families. and of course the, there's the dichotomy we see with the Christian right is that they're pro-life, but on the other hand, they're pro-war, so they've got inconsistent belief systems
3: the uh, The same evangelicals who uh, are uh, very much pro-life and yet have been supportive of the wars would would of course say, yeah, Romney fits that bill, but the problem that they would run into is that Mormonism has been always considered to be an occult activity by the, the same Christian right. So we now have a really confusing situation, and so it comes back down to the economy is the issue. And that's why we've gone ahead and, and worked on this paper and, and tried to point out that people— uh, what Q e three is, what printing is all about, and so on. The basics, uh, of course, that we try to teach in each and everything we do is that we are, in America, we've degenerated into a warring state, a war-making economy that depends upon war and is practicing war. Uh, we are practice, our, our governments are successive practices of war. Uh, to fund and finance these, we have this mechanism called the Federal Reserve Bank, which funded, of course, World War One. That was the first war that that was funded by the Federal Reserve Bank, and then very quickly, 20 years later, World War Two, and on and on we've gone, to where we now are almost in a continuous state of war, that that goes far beyond the 30-year wars that we've read about in in European history. It's, we have we have more, many more years than that. Um, As a result of these practices, you have other countries that are taking very drastic action. Since Mr. Bernanke's announcement of QE3, the big printing operation that's going to essentially buy equities, and uh, these equities are are criminally bad um, mortgage loans, uh, China responded to that by announcing their own QE4, which they called something else, and they simply said that they're going to print – Fifty billion dollars each month of their currency instead of forty, they're going to print ten billions more each each month, and that's uh, the purpose of this is to to pump money into their economic system, which they will do, because they don't have a tie up with central banking. They they basically will create, use the money to create jobs, and it will drive down their currency, but of course. What we now have is a currency war where you have just just read the announcement that the European Common Market has agreed to print $100 billion for Spain. And this is not for the Spanish people. This is to bail out the remaining Spanish banks that are not already owned by the, the government of Spain. Spain has already nationalized a good number of their hopelessly indebted banks, and this $100 billion that they're now going to panhandle from the European Union will be a printing of the currency called the euro. And so we have the Chinese yuan uh, that's going to be going down in value because China's printing that. We have the euro that's going to be going down in value because there are at least four of these broke countries in Europe, southern Europe principally, including Greece, and so all that printing is going to be going on in Europe, over here in the United States. We have our central bank committed to printing now really what amounts to uh, $40 billion a month, but they already have a, a another $40 billion a month program running called QE2, or called uh, The Twist, believe it or not, like the old dance. And um, without going into that, I, I think you can see that all other countries in the world now are being compelled to tie themselves to printing operations. For instance, the solid, old, stalwart, conservative Switzerland has recently tied their money to the euro. So as the euro is printed and goes down, then what Switzerland will be doing is printing Swiss francs, and those Swiss francs will be going down. And then, of course, Japan is a big economy, and they'll be doing the same thing, and then you get into South American economies with states like Venezuela and Chile and other of the leading, Brazil being the biggest uh, of the Central uh, South American states, what do you suppose they're going to be doing? All of this pretends to um, an acceleration of the decline of value of our currency, and you now have all kinds of people that never said this before, saying our, our dollar just isn't worth anything anymore. So we are, of course, not in the business of economic projections. We're in the business of talking about Christian Zionism, its impact on our lives. And because we believe that the only way out of this is a spiritual way out and that people are going to have to return to spiritual thinking, but we repeat the statement that we made, our children will not forgive us for keeping them in ignorance. And one of the saddest things that I see in American society is people's unwillingness to stand up and tell what they have learned. So even if they have know some of the things that we're talking about today, most people are afraid to talk about it because of peer pressure and the fact that they know that it's not fun talk. It doesn't go over good and well in polite society. Uh, it will cause them to be shunned in some certain societies. And, of course, the kids want to keep skateboarding and going to school and and not worry about it because kids don't want to worry about these kind of things until they have to. So we concluded that our kids will not forgive us for leaving them in ignorance, especially when they find out that we know better.
1: Okay. Well, thank you, Chuck. Thanks for that report and that uh, excellent insight.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.